Heartbreaker inside the JMA Dome. Syracuse loses to North Carolina 72-68. to I've got some takes that I don't know that people are going to agree with. Number one, right off rip, I wouldn't have changed what happened on that last play with Judah Mitz. Ended up taking that charge or, or actually draw fouling with the charge, the flagrant, but I give him the ball there again. And I know a lot of people don't like that, but I'll explain why on Lockdown Syracuse starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on Lockdown Syracuse. It is your Wednesday episode. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Uh, This game between Syracuse and, and North Carolina on the home floor I mean, epitome of brutal, epitome of heartbreaker. It just really, honestly, it was because I think this was the best game Syracuse has played all year. And that down the stretch, right before Joe uh, made the play to try and keep the ball in bounds and ended up giving them a basket, up until that moment, I thought they'd won. Um, You know, obviously it was so close that I couldn't have been 100% convinced, but I really, that was the only point in the game where I thought they're actually going to win this game. but to address my hot take uh, to start, I mean, there are a couple points in this game that you could point at and uh, have a 30-minute conversation about. But let's start with the flagrant call on Judah, the charge that was called on him that could have potentially uh, taken the lead, correct? I don't have the play-by-play in front of me. It's not out on Cuse.com right now, so I cannot confirm that. But I do believe that's what happened. Had a chance to take the lead, ended up uh, getting called for the charge. Um mm-hmm. And a lot of people on Twitter and everywhere else, on the radio, wherever you listen to, everyone's saying, but Joe's got to have the ball right there. Joe's got to have the ball. And while I understand that, because Joe did play a really, really good game, 7 of 13 tonight, 4 of 9 from 3 at 18 points, left the charge on scoring, uh, he was great. The reason I'd give the ball to Judah is because I trust him 100 times more than I trust Joe to get two points, and I trust him 100 times more on the fast break one-on-one. That's all I do. And, and also, Judah is pretty hot at the moment, uh, getting anything to go around the rim. He was also getting hacked left and right and wasn't getting called, but the guy was hot. I trust him when he has the ball inside the arc. If he puts it up, there's a good chance it's going in pretty much every single time. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen, and he's going to get flack for that. And a lot of people are trying to pile on to him saying, you know, it's first the Miami game, now this. He's cost us two games. I'm really not here for that Judah Mintz slander. I still think he's a really, really talented kid, and I still think he's the most talented player on this basketball team. As Joe played incredibly well uh, over however many games that we talked about last episode, yeah, he's been great. Uh, And there's no denying that, and I'm so happy he has been. But you can't forget that Judah has those skills. Um, So, yeah, he missed the shot. He's 18 years old. He'll learn from that moment. But I give him the ball again if I could. I, I don't want to completely disagree. I'll 
disagree on some facets, but I'll hit with the agreement first. He's young. He's a good player. He's the reason we're in a lot of games, right? His ability to play, some of the stretches he's had, finishing at the rim, things like that, keeps Syracuse in games, without a doubt. This is the third time. Back-to-back games, now with UNC, with Miami, you go back a couple of weeks prior. The pit game, same situation. You go back to tonight. In the first half, Syracuse comes out of timeouts time and time again with, you know, 30-ish seconds on the clock or less. And every single time, Judah is the only one that touches the basketball, and he falls short. And I will give him credit, right? He had a great stretch against Notre Dame to finish out that game. Big part of the reason they won. But too many times, three times now, that game has ended the same way where Syracuse comes out of a timeout with limited time left. They do not do anything offensively except for Judah runs at the basket. And it seems like he tries to do too much in those situations. And I get it. He's young, but time and time again, he's out of control going to the basket. He loses the ball going to the basket, right? I see what he can do. I can see when he finishes. It's wonderful. It's awesome when he's in control. These times when he's getting these late game opportunities, it is not in control. It is not the same type of dribble penetration and finishing at the rim that we've gotten used to seeing him do and that we're you know so impressed with. It is a different approach and it, it costs them because there is no control. And when someone slides in front of you and you're going as out of control as he is, you don't need to establish as much as you do when you are in control and having a pure drive to the basket, right? If Judah was in control uh, within his means, driving to the hoop, and was it Love that, that stepped in in front of him? Uh, uh, who RJ, stepped in? I believe. RJ stepped in in front of him, right? And RJ steps in in front. That same play, if he's in control, that is 1,000% of charge. The speed he was going, the shoulder dropped, the elbow sure. coming across. It was really the elbow that, that, yeah. when you review it, right? But I'm, I'm saying we'll take the elbow out of it, right? When you can't even get a fathomable shot thrown up into the air and it wasn't blocked, I think that says what you need to know in terms of player control. And, and he just needs to almost relax and refine a little bit and play the game that, you know, we've started to see him develop into where, where he can you know, let things happen and, and move. And so my, my take is not that Joe or uh, that Joe needed the ball. I don't think that's the case. My take is not that Judah didn't need the ball. I just, this is the third time I've seen okay. Syracuse down the stretch, do this and no one else touches the basketball. Okay. Move but, the ball so around. What would you like to see else. on that? This is the same conversation we had against my, in the Miami game, because the thing that you have to take into consideration here that I think is wildly important is the matchup. I mean, Judah against RJ turns out to be a score way more times than JG3 versus Leakey does, right? I mean, that's just – that's true. Leakey Black is a fantastic defender, and, and he at some oh my point God, is yeah. locking Joe up. You don't you don't have to hype up Leakey Black to me, Bones, okay? <laughs> I know. That man's a dog, okay? Defensive specialist. But my thing is, I just – I wish that something different happened. And losing a game a different way – than that because it is the third time that there's no pass there's no you know screens that are leading to it it's judah putting the ball on the floor dropping the head dropping the shoulder and trying to get to the basket and it doesn't work 
And I think the pit game actually ended with a Judah pull up three. So it's just like, it's not the answer. I would love to see, I don't know, run it something a little bit, move the ball, set an off ball screen, well, just, do some zoom action off the left the side. Or it's something. never going to happen. I know, which is a problem in and of itself. But I, I just look at this, the way this game ended and the game that they did play, because I, I was saying, right, you, you look at this game and you look at the box score and you see Syracuse shot 50 plus percent from the field, 44 percent from three and out rebounded a UNC team that could possibly be the best rebounding team in the ACC by five. They out-rebounded UNC 35-30, to 30. a team that crashes boards with probably the best big and biggest rebounder in the conference in Armando Baycott. And, I, I mean, this might seem like a, a, a minimal victory, but they held Baycott to eight rebounds, and he's had 16, 16, and 18 in his last three. He's averaging twelve actually, rebounds a game. They did a decent job with it. To talk about, yeah, and I mean, they unfortunately fall short. Yeah, when you look at the box score, I think some people who maybe didn't watch the game as closely as the diehard fans or as we did, uh, they might think Jesse played a terrible game. I mean, the guy had eight points, seven rebounds. He fouled out. He did have five blocks. Uh, but what I want to say is, I think he had a great game considering the opposition. I thought Jesse was unreal in this game. Every time down the floor, I felt confident on defense because Jesse was playing incredibly uh, as the anchor of the zone. He was playing really, really well, and he didn't let Armando take over. He was really, really good. I mean, five blocks against Armando Baycott, that's nothing to scoff at. I thought Jesse played a really, really good game. Could they Correct. have used more on offense? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, eight points. That's not enough to get the job done. Absolutely. And, and before we got on the pot, I was just saying to you, you called it in terms of the last time or back in 2017, 18, when they lost by four points, only three guys scored this time when they lose by four points, only three guys really scored. Yeah. Uh, and Jesse was obviously the odd man out that could have made a difference. I mean, only mm -hmm. eight points from your big, he only shot the ball seven times while Judah shot at 18 uh, they could have used more, but at the same time, like you said, he's going up against Armando Baycott, who's probably yeah. the most difficult center in the country, let alone the ACC, uh, to play against. So, I mean, you got to cut him a little bit of slack because he's, oh, he yeah. is—he yeah. made some great post moves. He had some spin moves inside and put the moves on Armando a couple of times. But at the same time, Armando's huge. Jesse held his own against Armando Baycott. He did. did he? Was he flawless? No. Did he hold his own? Definitely. Is it hard to hold your own and then also battle with the refs calling ghost fouls on you? Yep. Yeah. And I, I think we're both on the same page in that it's it's never fun or what you're looking to do after a game to blame officials. Yeah. But I there were it. a number it was hard not to tonight. of of difficult calls that went against Syracuse. And probably two of them were Jesse Edwards' third and fourth fouls. The, th the third foul was insane. Specifically, I could correct. not believe the third foul. The third, that, like I, the again, dome erupted. If you that foul watch this podcast, up. yeah, if you watch this podcast often, or you know at least a little bit for games, you'll know that we really I don't like discussing the refs because there are other ways to win games, uh, and you can always play better. But that third foul on Jesse that got him to the fourth and actually made the, a difference in the game was heinous. I mean, he played perfect defense, and they called a foul on him. And Jesse looks shocked every single time he gets a foul called on him. It's actually a game I love playing, just watching him every time. 
Uh, it's hilarious. He's always just like, what? Even though he just like hacked the guy. It's hilarious. Uh, but that was a crazy foul. All right, we got to take a quick break, and then we will continue our discussion on the game. But this one brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. That's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports easy and fun. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Owen, let me know about a bet you like this weekend for the NFL playoffs. You know what bet I like? Let's keep it simple. I'm not going with a crazy touchdown score today. Not going with the first touchdown score. Not an anytime touchdown score. Keep it classy. They're the hottest team right now. And they're playing incredibly. Give me the Bengals minus one and a half. Keep it simple. Don't try to do too much. You got a team that's playing really good football against a team with a quarterback that is uh, injured. Is he not injured? Is he 100%? Is he 60%? Where does Patrick Mahomes fall? Give me the Bengals minus one and a half. Let me make it clear, this is not gambling advice. Uh, And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right. We continue here on Lockdown Syracuse. Matt Bonaparte and Owen Valentine with you after a heartbreaking SU basketball loss on the home floor to the Tar Heels of North Carolina. Uh, we talked about Jesse. We talked about Judah. And we talked about Joe. We got to talk about Chris Bell. We must talk about Chris Bell. Because Chris Bell played the best game I've ever seen him play. The thing that Chris Bell told me in this game is that he is here for the moment. Okay. That's what you need in your shooters. Your shooters need to show up for the big freaking moments. And he was here. He was probably amping himself up all day. He knew a boogie with the hoodie was coming. He was like, hey, boogie's <laughs> about to watch me drop 15 on the Tar Heels. How about that first shot? He came inside the arc. He put a move on, faded. Yeah. I was like, no shot. You're hitting that, Chris. Yeah. And he cashed it. I was like, okay, hold on. Hold on. There might be something here. And then he went off. If he hit that one three that would have made it like three in a row, the dome would have gone, the freaking roof would have blown off the place. Uh, He hit like one on the next possession to keep it going. He was freaking awesome. So I can't say enough about Chris Bell in this game. Six and nine from the floor, three of five from three to block four rebounds. How about that for Bell? Two assists as well. I mean, that kid played so well. The first time all season, maybe the second time, he played well in another game. I can't quite remember. Uh, But First or second time all season that I felt incredibly confident with him on the floor. Yeah, it was it was cool to watch him play and, and play with that confidence. And he seemed much more aggressive in this game, which I think is what everyone was asking for him, right? He had that huge dunk early on in the season. And we were like, ooh, okay, yep. there's that sort of spark, that tenacity, that gr- almost like you're going to go out there and growl at a guy. That's like the, the grind you're going to play with, the hustle you're going to play. That's sort of just – everything and it was a spark and it was just that and then we lost it and today it seemed like he had that hustle back and was crashing the boards a lot better 
And I, I, I got to, you know, I, it was pointed out to me as I was watching the game. And then it was, it was pretty clear. He seemed much more active defensively and was pinched in a lot and, and definitely helped take away the short corner for, for a good chunk of the, of this game. And I think it was the best defensive game that I remember him playing at this point in time and probably the most confident and just sort of, you know, grinded out hustle performance uh, that I've seen from him. And it, it results in, you know, 15 points and a really efficient night, three of five from three. And it felt like he hit a couple of big shots and every shot he hit just felt like it came at such an important moment where it was needed. Like even that first basket, right. To, to get Syracuse back to life after, you know, an immediate three uh, for, for UNC to get started. Right. So that just those quick buckets, every basket he hit felt like it was really important. Uh, and you got to give the nod to him because this is, I'm going to say this is the best game I've seen him play. Uh, it's not the most he's scored this season, but I think this was the best game I watched him play so far. And let me tell you what, if this, if he doesn't transfer, which I really hope he doesn't, I really think he could be a solid player uh, yeah. for Syracuse in the coming season. Just This was a flash that showed me that he can actually be something. Up until this point, other than I checked it, the Notre Dame game where he had 17 points, 6 to 9 uh, in that game from the floor, 5 of 8 from 3. Uh, that was the only other game this season where I said, okay, he can actually be something that, that could contribute every single game. Um, so bell, please don't transfer. We'd love to see you. Yeah. I mean, just on that convo too, like to give him, you know, some credit because it is, it is very much due right now, right? This is a guy that, that took a lot of crap, uh, from coach, right. About his rebounding from us. I mean, I was down on him. I know a lot of fans were down on him. I know a lot of people in the media were down on him. People still aren't necessarily sold. But a lot of negative energy, a lot of negative thoughts, uh, you know, when it's not easy to see, you know, coach walk into a press conference after you not playing your best game and just saying, I don't know what I can do. He just doesn't want to rebound. He can't do it. There's none of that. And he's battled. And I think we were both on the same page a couple of weeks ago that, you know, Chris Bell is towards the top of our list of guys most likely to transfer. Yeah. And absolutely. after watching, you know, the the two games now that he, he's shown out and in between there, he's he's been more effective and definitely starting to figure some things out. Uh, you got to give him the nod because this is these are strides that you love to see. And unfortunately, it hasn't really paid off with Benny. But Benny had sort of that similar mentality last year. of the This is the choice I made. I came to Syracuse. I'm going to figure things out at Syracuse for now. Uh, and I feel like Bell's in the same boat. And it's it's cool to see it's starting to come to fruition. And as you said, like, I, I hope that he does stay here because this is a really good opportunity for, for him to sort of hit that potential that, that we're now starting to see at a, at a grander scale. I want to head to Twitter because we've got 45 replies on our post-game tweet as of recording this. Uh, so I want to let the people with their uh, let the people you know get their voices heard. Um, Shields on hoops, who I respect very much in the Syracuse community. If you don't read his uh, Substack, um, you very much should. The guy is knowledgeable and he writes very well uh, and in-depth stuff for previews. He's really really good. So if you haven't checked him out, go check on Shields on hoops on Twitter. He's awesome. He says give Joe the ball to finish games from here on out. Uh, exactly what I was talking about in terms of people saying that, but I just disagree. I just disagree. 
um, in terms of that situation as well, just because it was a fast break. Um, but we've already talked about that. A lot of people are in here talking about that play. Uh, I'd say that's the grand um, majority of what these replies are. But I'll go to the old reliable. That's Cole. Everybody loves Cole. Uh, he says, another game heavily influenced by the refs, but we still could have played better. It's conflicting watching Judah score impressive baskets while making such poor decisions the next play. This was such a winnable game. He makes a great point, one that you were making as well, Owen. A very, very good point where it's it. he's a conflicting player, isn't he? Because you watch him do something where you're like, wow, we haven't had a guy who could do that in a long time. And then the next play, he the ball off his foot out of bounds right um yeah and I, i'm very anti you know blame one singular person for a loss right there are so many plays that you can circle that right can erase a four-point deficit throughout this game uh and unfortunately in the case of judah it just seems like the mistakes or the the play or and because he has the ball in his hand in these big moments that it, it, it weighs a lot heavier than a typical mistake, right? You know, you turn the ball over in the first half. That's one thing, right? You get called for a charge in an out-of-control play down a score uh, with 30 le- or fewer than 30 seconds left. Uh, it, it's more – it weighs more. So it's it's this tough balance of, oh, dang, like look at that finish. Or, wow, that was, that was something we haven't seen. And, okay, this guy's got that. And he hit a couple of tougher shots. And – you know, that was there, but at the same time, right, this is a guy that shot seven for 18 on the night. And a lot of that was not from three, right? He was six for eight or six for 16 from inside the arc. So it's that efficiency thing. And it's that big play thing uh, that, that weighs heavily. And it's, it is very much conflicting and polarizing and difficult to wrap your head around because it is, it is a double-edged sword. Uh, in that he has been outstanding, but there have been moments that unfortunately have been in situations where games are decided. Yeah, and this one would have been really, really nice for the resume um, because, you know, the record at this point is still in a position where you could make a run for the tournament. Um, You know, you're not entirely out of it. There's still a chance. This was a game that we all knew would be difficult to win for them. Um, we both predicted a double-digit loss, so they kind of really proved us wrong on that end. But, you know, don't put your head down yet. You know, you got Virginia Tech on the road, uh, which is a good opportunity for a solid win. And then Virginia comes to the Dome, uh, and if you get that one, that's a huge win. So there's still chances out there. You have a couple easy games coming up against Boston College, uh, and then you get Georgia Tech again this year. Uh, but you know, you got to play some good basketball coming up if you want a chance. I mean, this this season honestly reads NIT to me right now, just how everything's going. But they they're going to show their true colors, and if they can make a tournament run, they can. If they can't, they can't. Uh, but people in these replies seem to have similar um, opinions, and that the yeah. NIT is probably where this team is going. Correct. But you know, at the same time, people are also saying, and I agree with this too. If this, you know core stays together, which I find incredibly uh, improbable. At least one of them is probably transferring. Uh, If they do stay together, what a team there will be next year, right? I mean, just what a team Syracuse uh, will have. Just a ton of talent coming 
back to the hill. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, it's it is true too. With like, you've watched this team improve. This is a better basketball team than we were watching when you know you lose three straight to St. John's Bryant and then an embarrassment against Illinois. It's a different team right now. Very much a different team. Unfortunately, they dug themselves a hole and have fallen short in the three games that they have played um, in the last two months where the game is decided by four or fewer points, right? They have hurt themselves in those games and fallen short all three times in the last two months in those games. This team is better, but unfortunately you don't get to see the full benefit and reap the benefits because of the situation, because the ACC is not very strong at the moment because the number of resume building wins, albeit are there for more likely a quad two esque win. The quad one opportunities are very limited and very sparse and you got to take advantage of them. And they have fallen short in opportunities that you definitely need that Pittsburgh game, that Miami game. And then tonight against North Carolina, right. To just talk conference games. There are three games that, if you tell me that Syracuse has made the changes they have and improved as significantly as they have, because they've improved significantly and they win two of those three games. I'm not even saying you win tonight, right? You win that pit game. You win that Miami game that you were in the driver's seat of the Miami game and never should have been even remotely down against that pit team. That's a very different outlook on the strides that they've made uh, since that opening stretch. Yeah, I mean, they've gotten a lot better. Totally. I agree with you. Um, but, you know, there's still a long way to go with these guys, and the talent is, is there, but I just don't know if it's there for this year. Um, but, hey, you know, like I said, there's still a chance, and there's still a lot of basketball to be played. At least, I mean, this is so much better than a 20-point loss, you know? Like, at least yeah. they actually gave you some hope. that They're on the cusp of being a tournament team. They're just not quite there. Yeah, I got a couple of uh, little shout-outs before we wrap this baby up. Go ahead, man. Um, Shout-out Quadir Copeland, who today I think got called to get into the game and then was sent back. But regardless, uh, was absolutely electric on the bench, going nuts, crazy, big energy. On the same note, shout-out John Bull, doing the same thing as normal. Uh, John Bull was in a sweatsuit today and cracking jokes with Jim with under a minute to play in this game, <laughs> which is just like, it's gutsy. So I'm going to give is, him a shout that's out That's quintessential that. John Bull. That's like, gutsy. If that's not JBA, I don't really know what is. Uh, what else we got in terms of shout outs? I, I, I'm going to shout out Otto's Army and the Syracuse student section because they showed out today. Big time. Uh, and there were a ton of students in that facility, in the dome today, uh, which is really cool because I think we've missed them. In uh, well, they were on break and in some some lower games, uh, so really cool to get them involved and to see that. Um, shout out Armando Baycott, I, I like that man, he's a dog, he is a big time player. Uh, he's fun to watch. I was walking around early in this game, and I, I we were on a, a golf trip last year when he made that run with UNC. And we we all house his rebounding over every night. And 
it, he just became an immediate favorite. And so I finally, I'm standing like 10 feet from him and I'm like, wow, in the flesh. So I'm going to give him a shout out because sometimes you have to, uh, you have to recognize something special and he's a special player. And John, uh, you know, Jesse did his own, held his own, did back. This is a game that you had a chance and an opportunity and you fell short. And unfortunately, you don't get to replay the last minute and a half of this game. Um, but you can build off of it. You can try to get the next one. Uh, and you can try to, when Virginia comes into the Dome in a week, finish the job a second time through. Preach. All right. That's all the time we got on Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making it your first listen today and every day for your second listen check out. Locked on college basketball with experts Isaac Schott and Andy Patton. They got you on everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you're going to hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the landscape that is college basketball. Locked on college basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's Owen Valentine. We'll see you later.